Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. How to ignite sexual passion from a woman's perspective is the topic of this edition of Radio Curious as we talk with Holly H. Hollenbeck, a former attorney from Omaha, Nebraska. Holly Hollenbeck is the author of Sex Lives of Wives, Reigniting the Passion, True Confessions and Provocative Advice from Real Women. She says that this book is not so much directed at how to please your mate, but how to please yourself by pleasing your mate. Take a look at www.passionseekers.com. Her website, devoted to helping women find passion and inspiration in their long-term relationships. I spoke with Holly Hollenbeck from her home in Nebraska in mid-September 2006 and asked her to describe what motivated her to write Sex Lives of Wives. Well, I'll tell you, it it started with a personal journey of my own with uh, my husband and I recognizing that we weren't tearing each other's clothes off anymore and often weren't even getting out of our pajamas. So we wanted to find a way to reignite the passion. And so the the title evolved from from my support group that I started in my hometown, and it evolved into a website and a huge online support network of other women out there looking for ways to rediscover their their sexual voice and reclaim it. And their their stories are the stories of sex lives of wives. And the goal is. Reading about the full spectrum and variety of what's going on out there and learning the inherent messages in those stories as well as, you know, the pleasure in just reading about what's going on helps us to and inspires us to uh, start being creative again in our own relationship and remember that our sexuality can bring a lot of that feels great into our lives that spills out of the bedroom and into the rest of uh, our day. So what are the elements? What are the themes that you find in your support group and in your own personal experience? The overwhelming theme to all of the stories in Sex, Lives of Wives is that women that are successful in maintaining or reigniting the passion after years and years of marriage all have an optimism that more of the best is yet to come. And they feel that in their heart because they recognize that there's so many creative ways to stay intimate with your mate. And some of them work for your relationship and some of them don't, but it's fun exploring the avenues and and um, certainly avoiding the pitfalls. And that's what these stories in sex lives can do for us. Let's talk about the avenues that you explore. All of them geared towards reminding us that monogamy does not have to mean monotony. And whether it's just simple little tips or some fun coupons to give to your mate, the, the, the ideas that I found through the thousands of surveys on my website and the offline interviews I did was that there is a huge variety of possibilities. One, just one example is to take your mate and tuck him in tight next to you at bedtime and tell him a bedtime story. 
And that story needs to be something about maybe the first time you were together or maybe your honeymoon or maybe just a fantasy of yours. Because when you close your eyes and you tell your mate this story, your mind is focusing and pretty soon you're there in the moment and in the, in the feel of the moment. And who knows what may happen then. So it's, it's, some of it's creative mind play to get our mind there and some of it's just fun ways that we can be playful with our mate again and lighten it up. A couple of things that you mentioned. One is optimism. Not everybody is an optimist. Um, and the other is monogamy. Not everybody is monogamous. Right. And, and that's one of the things I found most fascinating when I did my research is that I did cover the full spectrum. And I, I you know, covered briefly the 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 details of some people that have open relationships in their in their marriages and some people that um, have been involved in in some perilous journeys such as infidelity and some people that have uh, been involved in in other uh, relationships during marriage that uh, whether you know it's shared with the spouse or not these these stories teach us lessons and help us make wiser decisions for our own relationship. And maybe some of this, this creative ideas will work for us. And some of it we realize uh, through the emotional journeys of others that uh, is not a good idea. So it helps us make the decision for ourselves because I don't pass judgment on other people's decisions and their way of lives, their way of life at all. I think that there's a broad, broad spectrum out there and reading about this broad spectrum and, uh, you know, having the resources there in my resource section of my book where you can go and even learn more. It gives you the opportunity to explore the endless spectrum of possibilities and realize that there is hope and uh, for your own relationship. There is inspiring and creative ways to reignite it. You talk about first-time sex as a drug, the aphrodisiac of that first moment where everything is wonderful and blissful that tends to wear off over time among some people. You know, that is a prevalent discussion in a lot of books these days, and and that familiarity necessarily erases desire. But I think that that's an easy excuse that we use when we uh, wake up next to the same person, you know, day in and day out. If you put your mind to it and put passion as a priority on your list, it it doesn't become a to-do. It becomes a way to to make all of the other to-dos seem less troublesome. If you make the effort to have enjoyable and creative intimate encounters with your mate, you will find that there is so much more energy for other things in your life. And other things in your life that are troubling you seem a little less troublesome. So we we need to remember that this is a joyful way that we can share with our mate and, and keep ourselves healthy. Well, Holly Hollenbeck, author of Sex Lives of Wives, Reigniting the Passion, in your book, you have a number of suggestions of developing or reigniting or being creative. Can you share those with us? Another idea that I thought was really fun was uh, creating bedroom date nights. And I have um, on my website coming up on the resource section, 52 bedroom date nights, once a week. Instead of putting effort into figuring out someplace nice to go um, on your your date out of your house, instead create a whole new environment in your bedroom. It can be, for example, a Caribbean environment. You can throw beach towels on your bed and um, play Hawaiian or Caribbean music 
and spread coconut oil on each other and see what happens. I mean, there's, you know, light candles and, and just create an environment that helps you get your mind into the moment again. And uh, you can play roles. You can do all kinds of things that that help us remember that it is supposed to be a fun and playful thing. It's certainly not a chore. You talk about complete acceptance of another person in relationship to your stories about Carla. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's some theories out there that, well, you know, once you get to that point, um, you 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 have an ability to actually explore areas of your sexuality that you would never have been able to to open up uh, once once you, uh, you you know you feel that level of comfortness. So there is something to be said for the familiarity of a long-term relationship because once you reach that point of acceptance, you can share fantasies and ideas that maybe you wouldn't have been able to share uh, and would certainly never have been able to share or explore in um, one-night stands or, you know, short-term relationships. The advantages to a long-term relationship and the the things you can explore together are endless. And so you just have to decide what's right for your relationship. I find it interesting, Holly Hollenbeck, that you focus your book on women and things that women should do as opposed to men. And in reference to um, a book called The Female Brain by a neuropsychiatrist at the University of California in San Francisco named Luann Brizendine, she talks about um, how thoughts about sex enter a woman's brain every couple of days, while for men, it enters once every minute. You know, statistics like that I, I find amusing in the sense that, you know, what does it really help us? I mean, what's the practical result of knowing that? I mean, I think that's the purpose of this book, and and obviously I'm, it's written from a female perspective and from a large, vast pool of female stories. It, it's not about figuring out how to feed our mate, and this is about feeding ourselves and reclaiming our own sexual selves. I mean, we need sometimes to be reminded of that and putting the focus back on it through reading these stories and trying out some of these ideas and exploring some of these fun adventures with our mate, I think would change those statistics a little bit. I think the women that do that and put passion as a priority on their their list do think of it more frequently than, than those statistics show. Feeding yourselves via feeding the mate. Exactly. The more you you share with your mate and the more effort you put into creating passionate moments in your relationship, the more it's going to come back to you as well. I mean, he's going to take notice or she's going to take notice and start putting more effort into it as well. And it, it can really rejuvenate your relationship. And, and sometimes you have to take baby steps and sometimes a dramatic step can make the difference. But uh, in any case, uh, figuring out what those steps are is, is the journey, the how-to that we need in our lives. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're talking with Holly Hollenbeck from her home in Nebraska about her book called Sex Lives of Wives, Reigniting the Passion, True Confessions and Provocative Advice from Real Women. Holly Hollenbeck is a former attorney, former civil litigator, who's taken on a new passion in in many ways. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Holly, you have an interesting section called My Love Affair with a Penis, (laughs) the pet penis philosophy. Yes. Tell us about that. 
You know, that was a really fun section to write because um, it, it had come up in conversation one time, and um, I, I had I had uh, jokingly said, you know, men are animals. Some just make better pets. And then the group of women I was uh, sitting around with was actually at a vacation resort down in Jamaica. And they all laughed, and and pretty soon it evolved into into a discussion of... um uh, as you put it, the the pet penis philosophy, which is simply this. It's a fun little game to try out. You can try it out for a week. You can try it out for the rest of your relationship. It, it sounds like a witticism, so I have to preempt it that way. If you, When you read the section, you'll you'll see what it's all about. What it means is, is that it, when you realize and recognize the significance of having, you know, your genitalia outside your body like men do and how, what an impact and, you know, consciousness they must have on a daily basis, if you can treat your mate's genitalia as if they were your pet dog or cat, and what I mean by that is every day we, we care for our pet. We feed him, our, you know, our dog, or we, we, we pet our dog, we scratch behind his ears under the kitchen table. And so for fun one time, try this out. Try paying as much attention to your, your mate in that respect as you do your pet dog or cat pet, stroke, play with, have some fun with it. And uh, it's amazing the response you'll get in return because just that little bit of intimate attention, you know, whether it's under the kitchen table or under a blanket on the couch or in the morning at the, at the sink when you guys are getting ready for work, just giving, uh, you know, it, 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 a little attention. It's amazing the, the return, whether it's, it's, you know, foreplay for later that night or what? It's it's just a matter of caring and feeding that pet just as you would your dog. So, you know, the, the, the whole concept gets carried to an extreme in that chapter in the book. But it was a lot of fun because even though it sounds like a witticism, it really does hold true for the for the the playfulness that we're trying to cultivate in our relationship again because sometimes we don't even flirt with our mate anymore we don't even you know pay attention to him in the morning we're busy getting ourselves ready or we're we're busy taking care of the children or whatnot and if we can bring that flirtatiousness back into the relationship and be playful again it will come back and and we will be passionately feeling it again in some ways it sounds like you're suggesting that people employ a certain ritual or philosophy akin to the way some people celebrate holidays or religious events or brushing their teeth? Yeah, I, I think you could look at it like that. I think the, the vast, overwhelming themes in, of all of the real-life stories in sex lives is that, you know, the stories, first of all, are about people in good and decent marriages, just looking to make them great again. I mean, this is not for for troubled relationships. Obviously, we're talking about all of us out there, the vast majority of us out there that are in a routine, and it, the routine can sometimes just snuff out the desire and the passion. And so what we have to do is break out of the routine. So the the whole concept is to, to take on a new attitude and a new approach to it. For instance, instead of you know, laying in bed and hearing your mate coming to bed and thinking, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want him to know I'm awake because then we might have to have sex and I'm too tired for that. Instead of thinking that, say to, say to yourself, oh, I'm still laying here awake and I need to get to sleep. What better way to relax and be able to have a full and deep sleep than, you know, to turn over to him, him or her when she comes to bed and uh, initiate, you know, some intimacy? Because it's through that that 
sort of an encounter that we can then find what we were looking for all along, and that was the opportunity to really get a good night's sleep. So some of it's about taking on a new attitude, and some of it's about, you know, realizing that that attitude is for our own benefit. I mean, not because he's, he or she's complaining about our sex life, but because we're missing out on a lot of that feels great. Going back to your comment a few minutes ago about feeding ourselves, ourselves being women, what advice do you have for men in response to having written Sex Lives for Wives? Well, you know, two things I will say to that. One is I made sure and include the male viewpoint. There's a, there's a section in there, you know, that it was a compilation of things that men told me through my website and through my offline interviews. But uh, that being said, I think also, um, you know, I do receive a lot of feedback from men on my website. And, you know, my husband in particular is very thrilled with this, with the fact that, uh, you know, we're putting some focus back on that because it's not just the men, but we too, we feel more appreciated when we feel desired in the bedroom. And that's true. That's a universal theme, whether you're a man or, or a woman. And, and the more you can appreciate your mate in the, and desire him in the bedroom, the more they feel appreciated and loved across the board. So if we can remember that basic truth, it, it can make a huge impact on our relationship and ease a lot of tensions outside of the bedroom. You have experience as a civil litigator, as an attorney, as do I. And I'm wondering how that experience has helped bolster or work towards what you're doing, the insights that we as attorneys get into people's lives. Yeah, it is It is interesting. Um, it is an interesting discussion topic because... You, you do you, you do spend a great deal of time as as an attorney interviewing and writing and researching as a lawyer as well, and so those skills transferred easily to researching and writing about this subject, which is you know a lot more fun to research. But on the just the the people skills you develop as an attorney does make a difference because you you can much easily sit down. And, and really get to the bottom of an issue with someone when you're interviewing them because you learn those skills when you're, when you're trying to get to the bottom of an issue in a, in a court case and you're trying to get to the truth as a lawyer. The same, the same thing I was trying in Sex Lives of Wives. I was trying to get to the truth of the matter. I mean, what, what are we doing uh, out there and, and what kind of impact is it having on our relationship and, and how, can, how can we, uh, we take better routes or take appropriate routes in our relationship so that we're successful in, in reigniting the passion or in some cases keeping it from ever fizzling out in the first case because that was one of my concerns. I mean, once the flame dies, so much more can go with it. I find it interesting that you went to a Midwestern religious college and you're talking about these topics and you mentioned uh, earlier that you often talk to church groups. How does that meld? Yeah, it is, it is interesting, I, I'm sure. Um, the interesting thing that I found in my research, and obviously once I started my website, responses from all over the country and from all over the world, for that matter. And, and some of the best interviews I conducted were at vacation resorts in the Caribbean where, you're, you know, people are anonymous, they're relaxed, they're on vacation, and they open up. So obviously I wasn't limited to just, you know, Midwestern um, stories by any means. What fascinating 
fascinated me in my research was that it really didn't make a difference, whether you were from California, New York City, Jamaica, Florida, or Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I live. It's a universal issue that we, we do reach points in our relationships in our lives where routine consumes us and and something so pleasurable as sex can become a chore and and why is that and what can we do about it and what what makes sense for our relationships so you know it is it is a universal issue and i think um it it was interesting to find out that even church-going folks in the midwest had their secrets to share let me tell you <laughs> can you share some of those secrets Oh, sure. I, I uncovered people that, that I never in my wildest dreams would have thought were anything but the most straight-laced and had the most boring sex lives. They turned out to behind closed doors to be some of the, some of the, the, the more wild in, in their approaches. And so I, I learned that you can't really tell. I, you know, there were people at parties that would jokingly say, okay, it's a key party. Everybody throw your keys in the bowl. And if uh, you're not familiar with that, that's uh, from a 1960s movie where they uh, they talked about uh, throwing your key. The men would all throw their keys in the bowl, and when they left the party, uh, they would take a different set, thus leaving with a different wife. It was was the joke. And I've had people joke about stuff like that, and and, and you know people comment, oh, ooh, is he a swinger? But in reality, the ones that joke about it, you know, are probably not the ones having near as much fun as some of them that that, uh, you think uh, are um, straight-laced. And one in particular, a a couple I... I, I fell upon their, their hidden secrets uh, quite by accident. The line at a party at their house was long, and so I snuck up to their bedroom to use the restroom and uh, discovered a, on the top shelf, because I'm a rather tall person, on the top shelf of their bookcase were all kinds of books on, on S&M. And I was shocked to, and later in the week, sat down with the wife and said, you know, I'm writing this book on sex lives of wives. What can you tell me about S&M? And she was a little taken aback, and she's like, well, how did you know? And I said, well, I'm sorry, I stumbled upon your books, but tell me about it, because this is this woman was a doctor. Her husband is an accountant, and I, I had always thought rather a nerdy accountant, but uh, she uh, she delved into it with me, and I discovered that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of nerdy old accountant can do. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I had my first exposure to that aspect of, uh, of possibilities out there. And, and she recommended a book that would educate me on the subject matter. And I listed that in, in Sex Lives of Wives. So, you know, I, I don't pass judgment on people's decisions. I just am merely reporting on the full spectrum of possibilities out there. So you can, under, so people can better understand what's going on in America and get a better feel for it and make wiser decisions in their own relationship for what might work or not work. Why do you think we're talking about these topics now and we weren't talking about them um, in years past? Well, I think that a lot of recent focus uh, with shows like Sex and the City, where you've had, you know, these women sitting around talking about their intimate life and single women. And and, um, then you had shows like Desperate Housewives that came out of the gate strong and and so many women out there identifying with it. And I think it, it, even though it's an evergreen topic, people are always looking for ways to, to reignite the passion. I think that 
right now there is a spotlight on it because of shows like that. And I think we are all saying, hey, we want our marriages to last. We don't want to become one of these statistics. And and with the infidelity rates that have come out recently showing that they're on the rise, especially for women, it it, it is becoming more of a prevalent concern for married people like myself, wanting to, to uh, keep it spicy and keep it going, you know, so that so that the flame doesn't uh, go out and and we lose out. What would you consider to be the cultural effect now that we're into the second generation of women who have ready access to birth control and abortion is legal? Yeah, I think uh, that that obviously has made a huge impact on our culture. I think that uh, couples are more willing to explore the risque and because of that, you know, there's been an increase in emotional trauma sometimes in relationships. And so it helps to be aware of what's going on and the effects that it might have on one's relationships so that you can make the right decision on whether it's just spicing up the monogamy and preventing it from being monotonous or whether it's uh, venturing out down uh, more risque paths. We need to understand the repercussions and, and, and some of the joys of the creativity as well. So it, it helps to be informed. When you talk about the risque and we compare it to what you found to be surprisingly normal, among many of the people that you interviewed. Do you see a possibility that the term risque will fade away and be replaced with normal or a synonym for normal? You know, that's an interesting discussion that could take hours, but uh, I think it is true that that obviously some things that were extremely risque in the past are now becoming more mainstream. And for instance, we were just talking about S&M, which, you know, was considered such a dark and risque uh, sport, so to speak, but now is entering more of the mainstream and, and you can go into any novelty shop or, or and you can buy, you know, fuzzy handcuffs and, you know, there's all kinds of ways that it's seeping into and becoming less of a, a dirty little secret and more of a, well, this is something pleasurable that we are choosing to do in our own relationship and as long as we uh, approach it in a healthy way, it, it, you know, it's, it's our decision. And so, you know, that's definitely becoming a, a way in which uh, society is changing its views somewhat. It has made an impact, obviously, with, with the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s and some of the books that came out during that period. Well, Holly Hollenbeck, author of Sex Lives of Wives, I want to thank you for being with us on Radio Curious. And before we close, can you tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately? I'll tell you, um, I just picked it up again because I hadn't read it in a long time, and my husband and I were looking for an interesting vacation spot. But one of my favorite nonfiction books is Adults Only Travel, which is the ultimate guide to romantic and erotic destinations. And it's by David West and Lewis James. And I'm hoping they're going to bring out a new edition edition soon, but the 2003 edition is still fabulous. It, It gives us all kinds of great romantic getaways and, and destinations that we can, we can uh, venture out to and, and help spice things up again in our own lives. And then on a fiction side, uh, I just recently uh, reread, believe it or not, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. And uh, 
I, you know, I'd seen the movie and I thought, you know, I haven't read that in years and years and years. And it's interesting, you know, play on, on social interactions and it has a passionate theme to it. And it was kind of fun and in a very slow way. It, it, it kind of spiced things up a little bit because I was feeling very romantic when I put it down. So there you go. You never know where you can get it from. <laughs> Holly Hollenbeck, thanks for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you so much for having me on. Holly Hollenbeck is the author of Sex Lives of Wives, Reigniting the Passion, True Confessions and Provocative Advice from Real Women. Take a look at her website, www.passionseekers.com. The books she recommends are Adults Only Travel, The Ultimate Guide to Romantic and Erotic Destinations, by David West and Lewis James. She also recommends Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Copies of this and other editions of Radio Curious can be found on our website, www.radiocurious.org. They're also available in CD format for $10 each. At Radio Curious, we appreciate your thoughts and ideas about our programming and enjoy hearing from you. Our address is Post Office Box 7, Ukiah, that's U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. Our email address is curious at radiocurious.org. And the phone is 707-462-6541. You've been listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Thank you for joining us.